The following Downstage Center program was originally broadcast in January 2007. Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theatre Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. Today we're joined by Margot Harley. Hi, Margot. Hi there. Margot, your official title is the Producing Artistic Director of the Acting Company, which you and John Houseman co-founded back in 1972. But you prefer just the simpler title of Artistic Director, you tell me. Either... Either one, producing director, producer, artistic director, any one of those will do. You will answer to either one. I answer to anyone. Well, the the acting company started in 1972, founded, as I said, by John Houseman. Tell us a little bit about him and how the two of you founded it together. Well, at the time, in 1972, we we were just about to graduate our first uh, class from the Juilliard School, from the drama division. Were were you involved with Juilliard yourself? I was. Uh Uh, John was the artistic director of the school, and I was the administrator of the school. Uh And we had this extraordinary class of um, 17, actually. There were 17 actors that survived. We started with 35. Um, And we ended with 17 rather extraordinary actors, and they had already... Uh, formed quite a uh, impressive ensemble, and they were very well trained, but they didn't have an enormous amount of performing experience. They had quite a bit of performing experience for a school, but not a lot, not enough. And so it occurred to to John and myself that it would be great to keep them together. So we thought, well, we'll try to keep them together for a little while and 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 let them perform and get that next step of their their training. And we were very fortunate that. Uh, John had connections at the Saratoga Performing Arts Center and in Saratoga, and they had an old movie house, which he uh, persuaded them to to turn back. It had originally been a theater, back into a theater, and that's where we started the acting company. We started, we decided to keep them together, and they were all very willing. Well, actually, they didn't even think about it. They did whatever John told them to do, and he (laughs) said, we're keeping you together. And we actually kept them together for four years, which was amazing. But that that first summer, we went to Saratoga. And then we did a season in New York at the Good Shepherd Church right next to Juilliard. And that was really the beginning. And we were very fortunate that we had support um, from the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Mellon Foundation, and the NEA right right off the bat, which was very unusual. And the 17 young people at Juilliard that were involved that first year, any names we would recognize today? Just a few, yes. Um, Such as? Namely, Kevin Klein, Mm -hmm. Patti LuPone, um, David Ogden Stiers, David Schramm. They were all... um, they're all recognizable names in the theater, or most of them. A few of them have dropped by the wayside, but not too many. Um, they may not be stars like Kevin and Patty, but they're all uh, actors in the theater still to this day. How much of that original impulse was simply to keep that group together because they worked so well and maybe to help find them employment? And how much of it was a desire to give them opportunities in classical work. Was there enough opportunity for actors coming out of Juilliard to do the kind of work in which they were trained in those days? Well, actually, it's a great question because it was just the beginning of the regional theater movement, and there wasn't an enormous amount of work yet. But there was the beginning of a a, a national theater around the country, the beginning of the of the rep, uh, repertory theaters around the country, and probably, um, and they were then 
funded in such a way that they were doing the classics. And so it occurred to us, obviously, uh, that it would be nice to be able to supply them with really well-trained and experienced classical actors. So the point of the company was both to keep this group together so that they could get performance experience and also a byproduct was to take theatre to communities around the country that didn't have any theatre because there were still a lot of communities without any theatre. There, of course, are still to this day a lot of communities without theatre, though there are many more communities with theatres than there were then. Does that answer your question or not quite? Well, it, it, it definitely helps. We should say, for our listeners, we should explain, we, we're talking about John Hausman, but there are probably some people out there now who aren't as familiar with John. John was a producer, uh, worked with Orson Welles back in the days of the Mercury Theater. As you say, he was um, running uh, Juilliard at the time that, that you founded the company. And this would have been right around the same time that John began to become popularly recognized in a way he never had been. Uh, really, the paper chase was probably right. what started to put him on the map. And for those who ever have seen that film or that TV series, he was the uh, professor. Professor Kingsfield, the very difficult, often curmudgeonly. How much did John's late-in-life celebrity impact the growth of the acting company? It probably helped because he 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 was um, he was recognizable. But the, the the original funding came. He was well enough known in those circles um, so that the original funding for the company came because of his background as a producer and director, but mostly a producer. He was a brilliant producer. Um, probably not as good a director as he was a producer, but he did like to direct. Um, but he. He was what he. The acting company was actually, I think, his, I don't know, seventh company. I mean, he was he was quoted as saying, "I need another company, like I need a hole in the head." Mm -hmm. um, but he was also someone who liked to keep moving. Um, he'd been he he he'd been, as you said, with Orson Welles years ago at the Mercury Theater. He'd been in in Los Angeles in what is what later became the Mark Taper. He was the beginning. He started that theater. Um, he started, he was at Stratford. He was actually at Stratford, Connecticut, um, just really before he came to Juilliard. He was also a movie producer for a period of time, but he'd never acted. And I can tell you how that happened, if you'd be interested. Um, I remember it very well. He... Um, he got a call from Jim Bridges, who was had been his stage manager. Some he, everybody in the theater had once upon a time been John's stage manager, um, and he said that George May, uh, uh, um, James Mason, who had meant who was the originally going to play Kingsfield, had become ill, and they were they were about to go into rehearsal. They were going to this movie was just about to be made. This was a couple of weeks before they were going into rehearsal. And James Bridges was the writer director, and he asked. He said to John, "This may be a really crazy question, but would you be willing to do a screen test for this for this movie? Would you?" And John jumped at it. I think in his heart he'd always wanted to be an actor, and he did a screen test, and he got the part and he got a I think if you remember he got an Oscar for it so he got an Oscar at age 72 or 3 for his first hmm. performance as an actor that's quite his, amazing his first ever performance well yes or first professional I no I, I think it was I think he did a a, a, a 
tiny little bit in in a movie as a joke years and years before to break somebody up, and I can't remember what it was. I used to know, but this was really his first performance. Oh, amazing. I mean, really. Now the the acting company grew out of his desire to find something for these seventeen talented people in Juilliard to do, and here we are, thirty four, almost thirty five years later. Uh, how has the acting company evolved, and what 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 would you say its mission statement is? If I can use that kind of formal term, I don't think its mission statement has really changed a lot. It's still its mission statement still is to develop American classical actors through the process of touring um, and doing the great plays of the of the theatrical literature, um, but also and to take theater to places where otherwise or professional theater to places that otherwise wouldn't have this kind of theater. A lot of small towns. A lot, very, lot of very small towns. And on, on your website, um, I was fascinated to read about 10 pages. I printed it out about 10 pages of, uh, of a diary that one of the companies about a year or two kept uh, of all the small towns they had visited. And a lot of reaching out to young people, to students, to reaching out to school classes and uh, presenting professional actors doing professional performances for these students? We do a lot of student matinees. We also do, um, we send teaching artists into the schools prior to our arrival, and they work with several classes. Um, We do, the the actors themselves do workshops on the road. So we do a lot of work with young, with with either high school students or even, we play a lot of colleges, obviously, because Mm -hmm. in a lot of small towns, that's the that's the theater that exists, and it exists for the college itself and also for the community. So we're, we, do, we do classes for both college students and for high school students. So the people that are in, in the acting company not only are actors, they're also teachers. They- well, some of them. Not everybody, not every actor can teach. So no, we're, no. we're careful about who we select to do that. But enough of them can act, always enough of them can, can teach so that we can do that. And what sort of reaction then do you get from the schools and the colleges where you, where you go? To, are they anxious to have you come? And- they are. The, we get more sort of e- email response from the from the high school students in uh-huh. a way because they we 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 encourage that and we but also they do somehow they respond you know more than college students do but obviously the the, the college students are enjoy this or it wouldn't or or get value from or it wouldn't be booked but we get a lot of response from from the high school students from the younger students which is great both to the to the teaching and to the plays themselves i mean it's wonderful to get responses from kids who've never seen shakespeare before who who respond positively and and they and they're wonderful the letters are just wonderful well it strikes me as being really wonderful because this channel reaches everybody in america of course and i get a lot of emails from people saying i've never been to new york i've never seen a broadway show but i see local theater i go to community theater i do things like that so what you're doing in essence is taking people from new york and sending the people themselves into the communities so that the the residents who may not get to get to new york get to see these performances. Yes, and we always do a talk back afterwards if the if the venue uh, wants it, uh-huh. and they usually do. So people get to talk to New York actors, and that, that is usually a popular event. And we do that because I think it's important. Yeah, and it's good to be able to give them uh, the opportunity to, to, to have that dialogue, right. so to we, ask the questions. So we do a talk back almost every performance, mm. not just the matinees. Wow. With the company having begun 
out of a group of students who had been brought together for educational purposes, as with any company, eventually you grow beyond the original core, in some cases even the original impulse. And certainly you've mentioned some illustrious names, but over the years, I mean, looking quickly at a list, Francis Conroy, Keith David, Tom Hewitt, Jim Houghton, who founded Signature Theater here in New York, how much of your casting now, and even over the 30-plus the years, how much of it is about you need this person for this role, and how much of it is the idea of investing in particular actors who you think will indeed ultimately go on to even have have more more of a career? I am always pushing for the idea of finding a really talented young actor and then casting them as best we can, rather than trying to find an actor to play X or Y. I'm, I'm really interested in the development of, of, of really, of great... I, I hate to use the word... It's hard to use the word great, but I'll, ultimately I'm trying to develop great actors, and therefore, instead of just taking someone and slotting them into a part, I'm looking for a company of 12 actors, all of whom I think are really wonderful young actors, and then we cast that group. Let's talk a little it's hard. About, oh, I didn't mean no, to interrupt ahead. you. It's hard sometimes to persuade a director to do that, but I work hard at it. Well, well, I, I was going to ask on this subject, how do you find these people or do they find you? Well, we we have a close connection to most of the, the, the uh, professional training institutions across the country, so I, we have a dialogue with them and I they hopefully will suggest people to us. And we also do open auditions, so, so people find us. The experience that they go through is clearly not a common one anymore for an actor because we should explain that it's not that they're going out in what would be most people would think of as a national tour where they're doing a week at the big performing arts hall downtown somewhere. You've got these this troupe going out playing one-night engagements in many cases, city to city, literally day by day playing as, as itinerant performers. What... <laughs> How does that balance with growing as a performer when they're when they're just out there hitting the road and putting it up and taking it down every night? Well, they don't actually put it up and take it down. No, I, I um, this, mean it the crew, the crew, in a way, <laughs> are, the, are the real uh, uh, heroes of this tour because they they put it up one one. They they start at eight o'clock in the morning and finish it about in time to run the show at eight. They tear it down after it's over. They load into a truck, get into a bus, go to sleep, and hit the next town the next morning. So, the actors, on the other hand, because they are professional equity actors, they have to sleep in a hotel. So they they mm. they stay in where they've just played, and then they they travel the next day. But actually, ideally, it would be better to plump to. To play split weeks. I mean, it's it's easier. It's, this is a very tough way to do it. But the, unfortunately, there isn't a, as much money around as there used to be, and so it's hard to book split weeks or weeks. But it doesn't really matter because for the actor, the experience of playing the show, whether they play it, you know, in one town one day and another one the next, is the same. It's still. A, the experience of playing the show, and in some ways, to have to adjust from one place to the to another, from one theater to another each day or each or every other day, is a very good experience. And they never know what the audience is going to be like no, from place they, to they place. They don't. So it's a very hard gig, but it's really uh, once you've done it, you can do almost anything. 
there's something very funny on your website that I spotted uh, in terms of when you talk about the bookings. There's a photo, uh, certainly not really off in the boondocks, I believe. It's just uh, up in Schenectady. But a marquee that says the acting company in Murder by Poe and Richard III and the other engagement build on it is the acting company in those shows right alongside Robert Wagner and Jill St. John in Love Letters. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> juxtaposition. But what is the market now? Where do you find the opportunities to do this? Has this is it primarily playing universities and schools or is there is there a larger it's Mark. primarily a university and schools, but then it always was. It, it, every so often, it's a downtown theater that has a series, of, you know, a, a couple of theater things and a music thing and a dance thing, uh, usually a, a, an old vaudeville theater that's been redone and is now a downtown theater. Um, we... There's quite a bit of there's some of that obviously, but there are more schools, more universities. But there always were. This was always, you know, this was always that kind of a tour, and it was always that the the, the theaters in the universities were the theater for the com- for the community around that school. You touched on it a couple of moments ago. You commented on talking to the directors about the kind of people to cast, and as we talk about this, and as we mention things like schools and universities, I want to make clear that for our listeners, the caliber of the people who are involved, certainly the, the artists themselves, the, the our actors themselves are young artists. But I just want to take a minute and read the list of some of the directors who have directed for the acting company, some who may not have been well-known at the time, some who were already well-known. I'll do this quickly, but... Garland Wright, Gerald Gutierrez, Jack O'Brien, Alan Schneider, Liviu Chule, Michael Kahn, Michael Langham, Joe Dowling, Bartlett Scher, Zelda Fitchhandler, and Mark Lamus, among others. <laughs> you are getting, you've been getting over the years, really an extraordinary level of director to then work with companies in rep on shows that have to be conceived so that they can tour. How do you how do you bring do the directors that? to this work? Well, um, some, <laughs> there are directors, obviously, who feel that it's to their advantage to, to develop young actors because they're going to be using them through the rest of their directing life. Um, and there are so there are directors who really care deeply about that. Um, there are directors. Um, Sometimes, I mean, you know, it, 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 you get you get a director because you offer him a, a, an opportunity to do a play that he's dying to do, and you have to understand that these, though young, these actors are really good. They're really professional, really talented young actors. But and it's also very important for the actors that they have the best directors and the best designers because that's that's part of the experience that they need in order to develop. I mean, they need to have the best director. And the best designers. We all we continue to use, you know, the the best designers and hopefully the best directors. We were fortunate enough to have Doug Hughes last year, or year before last. Oh, sorry, I left him off the list. Yes, <laughs> that's why I added him. <laughs> but we also use sometimes some young directors, but the, but very talented young directors. It, it's it. I mean, Jack O'Brien and. And Garland were young, actually, two examples when they started working with the acting company. So I'm using a couple of directors now who I think are going to be the next Garland, Wright, and Jack O'Brien. 
I asked you before about how you select the actors. How do you select the venues, the, the theaters, the well, towns, They select the us. Do, do, they, do they apply to you? Well, actually, we, have, we used to book ourselves, but we don't uh-huh. do that anymore. We've, we've um, some years ago, decided that we were better off with a booking agent because they had more clout in some ways than we had. So, so ICM is our booking agent. So uh, it's ICM's job to put this, um, this tour together. And they do it by putting out the information about us and seeing what comes back to them and then beginning because of that to route a tour. Or sometimes they decide that they're going to route it starting here and, and then they work. It, but it, it's a it's a tough job to route this tour because obviously it was much easier when we were playing one weeks and hard, split weeks. But to play one nighters, which is what is happening these so days, is very difficult. We're if, talking about forty to fifty one night mm-hmm. stands. If somebody listening to this broadcast right now is thinking, "Gee, I'd like to have the acting company come to my community and do a performance," how would they go about contacting ICM or yourself? Well, they could just contact me, and then I'd put them in touch with the right person at ICM, so they could. Um, contact me at the acting company at 212-258-3111. Once again for the West Coast, 212. <laughs> <laughs> 212-258-3111. Or they could go on our website, which is www.theactingcompany.org. Actingcompany.org is the website. Right. Good. And we'll repeat that at the end of the show okay. once more because I can just see All people right. driving their cars at 60 miles an hour, reaching for a pencil, trying to write that down. Right. I want so, the acting so company. So please remind me to repeat that at the end of the program. I'll do that. Okay. In terms of the material that you choose to do, I had always had the impression, and I've known the company's work for years, that it was primarily classical work. And it struck me how many different uh, projects in, in, in reviewing your history were new works, in some cases work that was being created specifically for the company. Um, can you talk a little about the balance of, of what you do? Well, um <laughs> It, the, the road has become very difficult in that they're even – we used to be able to do some very obscure classics, uh, really interesting Jacobean plays like Women Beware Women. Um, when I was in college, I saw a production of Pericles that you had out good, on tour, right. not often seen. Good example. You could not book Pericles now. It would not be possible. The Because of the, um, the lack of subsidy um, – on the road, theaters are thrown back on their box office, so they are they need to um, they need to sell out or do well at the, you know at, at the box office. So they are asking for titles that are better known, even Shakespeare. I mean, in fact, we're down to five or six or seven Shakespeare's that people are willing to book at this point, and it's very hard to book even classics that would seem to you to be obvious they're just not bookable anymore so it occurred to me not too long ago that perhaps i had to find another something else to do as well as shakespeare and and some of the more obvious classics and i it occurred to me that perhaps i could make um and it would also i also thought it would be nice to do something new and and or work with living playwrights so we decided to take um we started with american classics pl- uh, novels that people recognized and get a playwright to make an adaptation of that for the theater and that has been very successful i think we started with o pioneers and um we've done maybe six or seven American major American classics. The last one we did was um, "The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter," and which Rebecca Gilman, a very well-known young fabulous playwright, has done. And we're we did that actually with the with an alumni company, um, 
a year and a half ago, we opened in Atlanta at the Alliance, and we intend to bring it into New York next fall. Same company. And there have also been some, I would describe them as anthology programs, even out of that literature, something like Love's Fire that was right. done a number of years ago. That was actually a wonderful idea that Anne Catania at Lincoln Center, the um, drama trope for Lincoln Center, came up with. I'd asked her, I wanted her to come up, I'd given her a different idea, and um, and she came up with this idea, and it was better than my idea. Can you explain what it was? Well, it was, she, we took... Um, we took um, the sonnets, I, and and her job really was to find uh, the right sonnet for the right playwright. And then that, the playwright, and those included people like Wendy Wasserstein and Tony Kushner, they took, they wrote a play, really a riff on the sonnet. I mean, it might it it might not have been obvious to some what was the impetus for that one-act play, but the input, and, and in some it was pretty obvious, it, but it was a Shakespeare sonnet, which had, had was the impetus for the writing of that short one-act play, and it was, I think, was seven one-acts based on the sonnets, and the sonnets were woven through. Mark Lamos was the director of that, and it was brilliantly directed. It was a wonderful evening. Sometimes I think we ought to redo it. I liked it so much. But. Well, what, what shows are you doing this current season, the 2006-2007, and also next season, 2007-2008? Ah, okay. Well, um, I'll work backwards. Next, next season we're doing um, Moby Dick Rehearsed, which is something that Orson Welles wrote, which John and I talked a long time about doing. We never did it because it's mostly men. But, and... Um, in fact, it's only really, it's no women, but you can use one woman for a young boy. Um, so we never did it. Um, but next year we're going to do it along with The Tempest, which is also requires very few women. And the, and the justification for it is that this year is all women or almost all women. So it's a, we're doing um, a wonderful adaptation by an English woman, actually, um, by the name of Polly Teal, who runs a company called Shared Experience of Jane Eyre. It's a very, it's a fascinating adaptation. It's not a straightforward adaptation. And that's what we're in rehearsal for at, the, at this moment. And when, when, does, when does that go into production then? Well, it's, it's going to start teching at the end of this week, and it'll open, um, it'll open I think, on the 18th in Virginia, 18th of January. And also this season uh, is Love Shakespeare, another yes. one of these anthologies, which yes. interestingly enough was put together in part and is directed by one of your acting alumni. That's correct. And you've mentioned the alumni. How how much did the alumni of your company remain involved, and how do you ma do you manage to keep them together in a cohesive way? Well, it's, for so many actors, it was their first home, and I work very hard to make not to lose them lose the the feeling that they have for the company i mean i keep in touch with them and and uh, I, I think we're successful in doing that i think a lot of people if you talk to a lot of the actors who are in the company they'll tell you that even though they didn't know it at the time it was really one of the greatest or perhaps the greatest experience they've had in the theater and they have a very warm feeling about the company we're also fortunate that we have both kevin klein and patty lupone on our board as well as jesse martin um and um, they're they're both very good to us. Um, we I don't know I, I I love actors I love the act and I keep 
and and maybe they I don't know but I keep in touch with them and they keep in touch with us I mean on any given day several people could just wander into the office and then we do I try I would love to do this every year we try to do uh, alumni productions where because all of these actors have had similar experience and they when they get together it's it's quite magical the first one we did was um oh dear uh uh I'm having a, a I recall it on the moment. verge. Was that the well, first? Well, no, actually, well, no, it wasn't. We did do the first New York production of On the Verge with Lisa Baines and Laura Hicks and Tom Robbins and Pat Hodges. But the first thing we did was The Cradle Will Rock, actually, which was, um, it was obviously, for those of you who remember or who have read about it, it was a production of the Mercury Theatre. It's what actually uh, drove John and Orson Welles to start the Mercury Theatre because they got fired from the, um, from the uh, I guess it was the classical wing of the New Deal Theatre. Some people um, may be familiar with the story from the, the Tim Robbins film, right. Cradle Will Rock. Right, and so they they were fired as a result of this play, not because they wanted to do it. They were just told they couldn't do it because it was a very controversial. Um, it was a very controversial subject. It had to do with unions, and they were told right they 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 really cancelled the production. And John and and Orson weren't willing to cancel it, so they literally they they found another theater and they. They produce. It's a wonderful story. They, they, the actors couldn't perform. They weren't allowed to. Um, they weren't allowed on, on the stage. stage. But John, John would tell you to this if he were alive to this day that it was all. It was not planned. But knowing John, I'm sure it was planned. They did the. They did the whole show from the orchestra, from the from the from the audience. Um, Mark Blitzstein was on the ta- on the stage playing it, and all the actors were in the house. And you can't tell me that that was knowing John that was planned. There was an entire uh, chorus, uh, black chorus in the, in the balcony. Well, all sitting together. So just happened to uh, be just there. happened to be there. I'm sure it was planned, but it was a it's a great story, and it was the beginning of the Mercury Theatre. So we revive we did a revival of that. I think ten years into our existence, and John directed it, and. It was miraculous. We had actors from over that whole ten-year period, and and um, when they got together, it was as if they'd known each other all their lives. It was just an amazing and we've experienced. And we've done this every so often when we've been able to since then. And the last time we did it was was the Heart is a Lonely Hunter, and we're hoping to do that in New York next fall. Given that this company grew out of a specific drama school, Juilliard, and now each year you are casting a wider net for young actors to go, to be a part of this company. What, over the 30-plus years, is your assessment of what has happened with actor training and actor talent in this country? Well, um, there's there are many more training institutions. Um, there are probably too many training institutions. Uh, there isn't that much talent to go around. I mean, isn't that you can't in any given year find that many young, talented actors? I don't think. Um, we still try to. Uh, we still keep uh, uh, close ties with Juilliard, and we have close ties with uh, the um, graduate program at NYU, and also with Delaware. 
um, the University of Delaware has a wonderful training program. The, 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 the training programs actually change. It depends on who's there. Um, you know, the, the training programs in New York stay pretty steady, but in, in around the country, the training programs change depending upon who's running them and what teachers they have. So sometimes they're, they're, they have, they, they, they were good at one point and they're less good or they get good again. It, 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 it does change a bit. Um, I remember when we used to take a lot of people from the University of Washington. We don't seem to do that anymore. I don't know, you know, because everybody who was there has changed. It may still be good and I don't know about it. Um, but we do have ties with, 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 certain schools and then sometimes there are great surprises we get wonderful actors from 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 schools that we haven't really worked with before of course there's ACT and there's ART there you know there are there are several very good training institutions but there aren't as many as there are training institutions hmm, interesting interesting comment well, about 10 or 15 minutes ago, we gave out a phone number and we gave out a, uh, a website address, and I promised we would repeat it again. People had time to get out pencil and paper and to write it down. So if anybody in the communities in America want to contact you to invite you to come to their community and do your, your, your presentation, what phone number and what website? 212-258-3111 and theactingcompany.org. But they could. They can also, if they go on to our website, they can see where, in fact, we are playing. Anybody who doesn't have a theater but is an audience member, and, and hopefully they can come and see us. And we are all around the country this year. We're not going as far west as we usually do, but that'll every, that changes. So we're going down south a lot this year, but next year we'll be going out west. We'll certainly be going to California. Um, we book a year in advance, so we pretty much know where we're going even next you know, next season. Um, and, of course, we'll be in New York in uh, end of May. And for those listeners who didn't have a pencil and paper, it's the theactingcompany.org or simply Google The Acting Company and it'll take you right there. And on that note, Margot Harley, the producing director of The Acting Company, thanks so much for being with us today on Downstage Center. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Margot. For the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman, reminding our listeners that these programs and all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free, from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM Satellite Radio, I'm John Von Susten for Downstage Center. That is a wrap, and thank you. <laughs>